servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastland wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have, have, have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The next reading is from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, through to chapter 53, verse 12. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be exalted and lifted up, and shall be very high. Just as there were many who were astonished at him, so mad was his appearance beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of mortals. So shall he startle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which he had not been told to them, they shall see. And that which they had not heard, they shall contemplate. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him with pain. When you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong his days. Through him the will of the Lord shall prosper. Out of his anguish he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors, Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Here ends the reading. The next Bible reading is from Mark chapter 10, commencing at verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptised, you will be baptised. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom you recognise as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Hear the word of the Lord. Uh, this morning we're continuing our series on pictures of Jesus and we're looking at Jesus as the one who is the servant of many people. Uh, you, you'll recognise these pictures as stained glass windows from our church. Uh, and over the last few months I've, I've been looking at the history of our church. We've got a good History up until uh, about 1970, it's a little bit patchy from 70 to 90, and it wasn't written down from 90 to 2022. And so on the 9th of October, we're launching a new history. And I I thought when we did a history update in about 2014... Uh, that the vicar then was the one that did the history. So I said, yeah, I'll do the history. And, and so I've spent <laughs> quite, 
quite a few weeks going through about 30 years of parish council minutes. Very enlightening. As, as you see, uh, many people over many years uh, dealing with some of the similar issues, leaking roofs, painting that needs doing. And in the middle of that, just seeing the faithfulness of God's people in serving his church over many years, doing many things, trying many things. Uh, I've been really encouraged by that in the way uh, people have worked hard over many years. And uh, it's really easy to turn up as a minister in a church, and it's coming up to almost uh, two years. Uh, It's very easy to turn up and go, I've got new things to do. Uh, But when I looked over the last 30 years, I thought, wow, the, the church has done so many good and useful things. And some of the things that I might think are new are things that are, uh, we've tried before. And so I, I was encouraged uh, in the way that people had served. And when I looked at the names, there was similar names that are still coming up today of people that are continuing to serve Jesus here in this place. And so I've, I've been encouraged by the faithfulness of people. Now, when we think about service as Christians, we often say, well, Jesus was the servant of many, and that's the picture of Jesus we're looking at this morning. Uh, So Jesus calls us to serve. And so you could say to be a Christian is about serving others. And I could preach a really good message this morning on serving others the way that uh, Jesus served, living the way that Jesus lived. Uh, We could look at the disciples and, and... see uh, how they aspired to greatness, Jesus, who can I sit, where can I sit, I want to be at the left or I want to be at the right, and Jesus said, well, the the one that aspires to greatness uh, has to give themselves over to service, and you've probably heard from my uh, mouth something along these lines that uh, greatness is given to those who show themselves faithful with what Jesus uh, gives, so that is, we take what what is in our hand and we put it to work and we serve others with it, Uh, that true greatness is not about a position of authority, but it's actually uh, about uh, serving others. And so the path of being a Christian is about being humble. But this morning, what I want us to think a little bit more about is uh, actually our our service comes from a place. And and service that doesn't come from this place is not the kind of service that Jesus calls us to. You see, we're called as Christians uh, to be served by Jesus. True greatness is found in not achieving something great through our own work. It's in being served by Jesus. You see, anyone, it says, uh, who has come after John because of what Jesus has done is greater in the kingdom than John. And why is this? Because the saving work of Jesus establishes us in a place that we couldn't earn by ourselves. And so when I talk about this idea of being served by Jesus, I I think the idea of being served is really great. I'd love to be served breakfast in bed. I like getting served good food. Uh, We we all like being served in the way that we want to be served. Uh, We we love 
uh, been served uh, great hospitality. We love when uh, people serve us by doing things like cleaning and helping. Uh, we, we love being served in, in the way that uh, we would love to be served. What about, do we, do we like being served where it is needed most? Who, who's ever here had their feet washed by someone else? Yeah, so, so around Maundy Thursday, just before Easter, uh, is, is when you would do a foot washing service where, where we remember how Jesus' service to us and might wash each other's feet. Or in some churches, the minister might watch, wash everyone's feet. And I wonder how you feel about that, the idea of someone washing your feet. It doesn't feel particularly comfortable to most of us. Uh, my feet can be a little bit t- ticklish when someone else goes to wash, <laughs> and so breaking through the ticklish barrier is hard enough. But you know, like feet, they walk a lot. They get squished into shoes. Most people's feet aren't models of what a foot should look like. They're representations of what someone's life has looked like. And they're usually broken, sometimes a little bit of tinea between the toes. Yeah, feet, feet aren't attractive, are they? And we don't want to put our feet before other people. Uh, foot washing is this really great picture of what Jesus wants to do for us. Actually, Jesus wants to serve us in the place that we need it most. He doesn't want to just serve us in the place uh, we think we would like to be served. He wants to serve us in the place where we need it most. He went to save and seek the lost. Uh, He went to the tax collectors and the sinners. He called people to repentance. Why is repentance needed? It's needed because we turn from brokenness to wholeness that's found in him. And so I wonder if you, how you feel uh, about being served in the area that you need it most. In order to, to serve, in order to be a servant, we actually need to learn what it means to be served by Jesus. In order to serve other people well, we don't achieve greatness because we do lots of good things. We achieve greatness in this world because we serve like Jesus did with the same kind of love that he has where it is needed most. I uh, grew up in the church thinking uh, being a Christian was about serving about doing good things, about trying to be your best and do your best for others. And that's kind of what I thought being a Christian was about. And I knew in some areas of my life that I probably didn't measure up to what uh, God might expect of me. And, And so I would come to church and I would confess that I don't measure up in this way. Uh, There was a point where my sister said, I don't need to go to church anymore because I I kind of have my moral foundation. I don't need to go to church to get that anymore. I thought, well, I'm not really a good person. I need a better moral foundation. I need to go to church more often. Do you know what the, the, the turning point for me in my faith was? I, I would turn up. I would see people engaged in a certain way, uh, alive in faith, and I didn't feel that connection. I didn't really feel maybe I was worthy of that. The turning point for me in faith 
was allowing Jesus, inviting Jesus, inviting the Holy Spirit, uh, inviting God to speak through Scripture into the places in which I needed it most. And as I found the, the healing and consolation of forgiveness in that place, that I needed redemption, suddenly my faith came alive. Now, now you might see that and say, well, Randall, there's your salvation story. Uh, and now you must go on and serve many people because Jesus has saved you. But the place from which I continue to serve Jesus is a, is a place of having dirty feet uh, washed by him. I don't know if you've ever dealt with athlete's foot or tinea on your feet. Uh, the, the instructions, well, I'm not good at reading instructions. I'll, <laughs> you just clean your feet and you, you apply it once a day. Uh, well, I read the instructions and it says you're actually meant to apply it lots, like multiple times a day. And you can't just apply a big bit and hope that'll cover you for the whole day. And it's that consistent application. Why am I talking about tinea? Because I know it makes people feel uncomfortable. But at some level, brokenness should make us feel uncomfortable as well. When we let brokenness continue to operate in our life, uh, whether we're, we're, we're carrying hurt, uh, whether we're living in ways that are hurtful to others, uh, whether we're living in ways that are hurtful to God and making the, the choices we make, uh, whether we're living in ways that, that just hurt us because we're not making the right decisions by ourselves. Jesus wants to bring wholeness to, to all that space. When we continue to live and go, maybe once a week, I'll just apply Jesus to him as, a, as I come to church. It's kind of not the way things are meant to work. Like with the tinea cream applied once a, a, a day or, or once every few days, it doesn't work. It, it needs a constant application. The grace of God needs to be continually applied to our places of brokenness, our places that need healing in, in order to see that story continue. See, the, the place I minister from today and the place I serve people from today is a place of continually discovering how Jesus is my healer, my restorer, my saviour, in my places that need wholeness. Now, all of us have areas of life that aren't working as well as we would like them to work, areas of brokenness, whether as a result of something that someone else has done or something we've done. And so, as a Christian, we need to learn what it looks like to be served by Jesus in the places that we need it most. It says uh, in Mark 10, 45, uh, the, the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how, how does Jesus uh, serve us? Uh, we, we find this in Isaiah 53. If, you, if you're in your Bible, we're on about page 590 something. 596, uh, looking at Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says this. And so in Isaiah, we get this picture of Jesus as the servant hundreds of years before Jesus arrives. And it says of Jesus uh, what, what he did for us. Surely he took up our pain and bore 
our our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What Jesus wants to do for us is, is found in this passage. What Jesus wants to do for us is to, in our inadequacy, bring us healing. Uh, the, the place uh, he's primarily chosen to bring us healing is in dealing with this separation between us and God. Let me just get some water. And so the place Jesus uh, primarily wants to bring us healing is in this place of separation between us and God. And what I often hear uh, from people that might know a little bit of something about Christianity, but not much, is to be a Christian is about being a good person, isn't it? And, and they, will, they will say being a Christian is about being a good person and good people go to heaven. But actually, as we talked about last week, there's there's no work that we can complete that is able to bridge that gap between us and between God. There there is nothing we can do in and of ourselves, no, no amount of service, no amount of good work that can bridge the gap. And so Jesus, in serving us, came and died on the cross, took all of our brokenness, all of our need for healing, all of our need for wholeness upon himself. He bore it for us in order to restore us in relationship to God, our healer, the one who is then able to bring salvation, that is, the the whole person being saved, bring salvation to all of us. Now, we often talk about how we are saved, And we also are being saved. Uh, We are saved uh, from all that would separate us from God, but we are being saved, which means that God is making us more and more whole as we live out relationship with him. Before we even made a decision to come to Jesus, it says at the end of uh, chapter 53, yet he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What, what does that mean? It means that, that Jesus' continuing service for us is that he has borne our sin, but he also intercedes for us uh, that we will be restored into right relationship with God. So the Son of Man came to, to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our, as a Christian, our, our position in the world, our position in the kingdom of God uh, is not found in earthly titles, not whether you can sit at the left or the, the right hand, uh, not whether you can be looked on highly by others, but in who serves us. Our greatness in this world is established by the one who serves us. Uh, in, in the world, greatness is established by you. you smart, uh, you do a good job at things, uh, you speak to the right people, 
and gain influence. You serve the right people, and as you serve the right people, you're lifted high, and you have a position of authority. In the, in the kingdom of God, uh, our position is prepared for us by the one who serves us, Jesus. This picture doesn't come up clearly on your screen. If you can see really faintly, there's Jesus at the bottom. In, in the world, the pyramid's the, the opposite way around. Uh, the person with the most authority is at the top. In the kingdom of God, the person with the most authority is at the bottom. Jesus is in this place of service. And so as a Christian, our identity is found in who serves us. Uh, who serves us? Jesus serves us. Uh, when the world serves us, our identity is not found by who looks to us, who serves us with great compliments, who serves us by giving us money. Our identity is not found in that. Our identity is found in who has served us to restore us in relationship with God. That is, Jesus has served us. And, and so we don't look to the world uh, needing something from the world. We're able to look to the world in order to serve it because we have been served well by Jesus. And something interesting to, to think about, we've been speaking about evangelism a, a bit over the last few months. Uh, something interesting to think about is this. When someone in the world serves us, it should make us wonder whether Jesus is going before us in that place. Uh, when Jesus sends the disciples out two by two, he, he says, look for the, the houses that will offer you hospitality. Look for the places that, where there are people who want to serve you. Well, why, why should we pay attention to that? Because at some level, if, if someone is wanting to serve us, and it's uh, not because we're giving them money or, or not because we're doing favors for them, it's because Jesus is actually going before us in that place. Because Jesus' intent is that through us being served by him, we will be restored in relationship with God. And as we serve others, that they will be restored in relationship with God. So our purpose in this world is to bring them a kingdom of God where it is not as Jesus has served us. So in order to complete Jesus' mission, we need that bottom part of the pyramid, that Jesus serves us. And if we just serve the world uh, from a place of this is a good thing to do and this will be helpful and I want to bless the world, that's okay. But it's not going to achieve the result of the people we serve being connected to Jesus. Because we miss the, the story there. Uh, we do good works, but we miss the story. What, what's the story? Jesus has served me. Why, why am I serving you? Because Jesus, Jesus healed me. Jesus has changed my life. And I want to serve you and love you because I want Jesus to change your life. And so when we're looking to serve people, we're also not just looking to serve people for the sake of serving it. We're looking to serve people in the, the place where they need it most. Uh, a, a lot of Christians will do really good service, and, and you might have heard little quotes like, uh, do lots of service and occasionally speak of Jesus, or 
and to let your service speak for itself. And we like that. Uh, but that's actually not the, the way that Jesus calls us to, to live uh, in our life of service. When I serve other people, I need to get to a point of confidence where I can say to them, I'm serving you and, and loving you because God has loved me and that's changed me and I want God's love to change you as well. And so, so the kind of service that Jesus calls us to is this Isaiah 42 kind of service, this continuation of his mission, uh, which Jesus himself claims as, as the one of uh, setting captives free, uh, the, the one that is uh, bringing healing, uh, the, a light to the nations to open the eyes of the blind, so chapter 42, verse 7, uh, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, uh, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I'm the Lord, is, uh, that is my name. I give to no other, I uh, give my glory to no other, nor my praise to idols. And uh, right at the start of that chapter, uh, the scripture says this, it says, Here is my servant, uh, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit on him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. And so we have this picture in Isaiah 42 of the, the mission that Jesus has given uh, commissioned us into, which is his mission of bringing justice, of restoring light, of freeing prisoners, of bringing, uh, bringing uh, those who were in darkness into the light, of seeing healing happen. And he, he says uh, right at the end, I'm the Lord, that is my name, I give my glory to no other. When we do good things in this world and we don't point to Jesus, we take glory for ourselves. When we do good things in this world and we don't point to Jesus, we take glory for ourselves. Actually, we're called to glorify Jesus. And so when we do something good and we don't glorify Jesus, uh, and, and it looks different in every situation, then we miss the mark. Last week we talked about it. To miss the mark is to sin, to fall short of what we are called to uh, be and do. And so when we fail to point to the one who has served us, we miss the mark. Uh, a little bit uh, before uh, the passage we heard from Isaiah 52, uh, we, we see uh, these words in Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's quoted in Romans. Uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Why, why are those who bring good news... Why, why do they have beautiful feet? It's because they've actually been washed by Jesus. What, what, why do they have clean feet? And, and it says, uh, Jesus himself says, if, if your feet are clean, your whole body is clean. Well, because Jesus has cleaned the, the part of us that is unpresentable. And so when 
someone brings the good news about Jesus, uh, we do it with clean feet. Uh, we, we, we don't do it from a place of brokenness. And so the, the thought I'm really wanting to, to leave us thinking about this morning is this. How is Jesus wanting me to open up and let him serve me? I could have delivered that sermon and said, uh, serve the world like Jesus has served you. But I think for us, what we need is to invite Jesus into the place where we most need him to serve us. Let me, let me give you a second to, to just think on that. Uh, just quietly ask to yourself, well, where is the place where I most need Jesus to serve me? could be in a place of brokenness. It could be in a place of hurt. It might be in a place of, of sin or captivity. Where, where is the place where Jesus uh, wants to serve you? Because wherever there's brokenness, Jesus is wanting to bring wholeness. Wherever there's sin, uh, Jesus is wanting to bring freedom. Wherever there's darkness, Jesus is wanting to bring light. Where's, where's Jesus wanting me to open up and let him serve me? Uh, let's, let's bring that before him now in prayer. Uh, Lord, you love us and care for us as, as whole people. We know that you call us to live out that love in the world, but Lord, as we look to you as, as the one that has served us, we look to you also as the one that wants to continue to serve us. And so you, you might like to just quietly before Jesus uh, pray a prayer as, as I lead you in that prayer. And the prayer goes like this. Jesus, uh, I need you in this area. And it's the name, the area. Jesus, I need you here. Jesus, uh, forgive me for shutting you out. Jesus, forgive me for not turning to you. Jesus, I invite you to make me whole. Jesus, I invite you to heal. Jesus, I invite you to restore. Uh, Jesus, I invite you to release me. Jesus, I invite you to empower me. Jesus, I choose to find my strength 
in presenting my weakness before you and trusting you with my wholeness. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me encourage you, uh, as I talked about, when, when you apply the cream for tinea, <laughs> you need to do it regularly. We need to do this regularly. And it might not be in this moment that Jesus has brought you what you need in your area of need. But as you continually bring yourself before him and as he leads you, and I'm happy to uh, chat with him, pray with any of you, as you continually invite him, I'm confident that he will bring healing. And that will become part of your story. That beautiful are your feet in that area. And you are able to bring good news to others.